Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. You know. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, October 12th, 2020. This is episode 131, 131. I hope everybody's enjoying their fall season so far. The year is absolutely flying by. I think we can all agree I'm ready for it to be over. I'm hoping 2021 is going to be a little bit better. But episodes like this are helping me get through it, guys. And I am so pumped about this one. This is a massive interview. Episode 131 features a big time player in the Rising Stars group for electronic music and he goes by the name of Kyle Kinch. Kyle Kinch, K-Y-L-E-K-I-N-C-H. I'm going to spell it out for you right now so that you go and look him up right away because this is one of my favorite producers in the game. Kyle is an absolute powerhouse producer who is building an incredible brand and it was so great to hear his full story. In episode 131, we talked about Kyle's early beginnings in music and his love for jazz and soul. In so many of his productions, he uses different types of influences from artists and musicians in the jazz and soul scene. It was so cool to hear how he does that. We also talked about how he got involved in the electronic music scene as a DJ and a producer and what he loves most about it. This is a man who is a fan first, and I loved his energy when we were talking about that because that is a huge element that I think a lot of people forget about. We love it because we were fans first. Now, like I said, guys, he is an absolute powerhouse producer and has had an amazing journey so far. He's released on labels like Gorgon City's Realm, Sonny Federa's Solo Toco, Greco's Rossum, and most recently did an official remix for the one and only Duke Dumont. To say this guy's on fire isn't even necessary. This dude is literally the center of the earth. He's making so many bangers and it has just been such a great year for him, all things considered. As you can imagine, with exposure and labels like that, your name is gonna rise up in the charts. And this guy has worked for every single stream. It is truly incredible to see people like Fisher, to see people like Camel Fats, to see people like David Guetta support his music. And I wanted to ask him firsthand what it really feels like. And of course, with big support comes big shows. This guy has played at the Brooklyn Mirage in New York City, and it's actually his hometown. He had some amazing stories for some shows, but it was really, really cool for him to go full circle from where he grew up to coming back to play at one of the biggest and best music venues in the entire world. Now, I really do mean it when I say I'm a huge fan of this guy, and it was so cool to have a deep conversation with him on his stylistic approaches to producing. It's really, really cool when you talk to a guy like Kyle who has basically taught himself to produce, and he gives little pieces of advice like less is more, but then actually explains what that means. If you guys are interested in learning more about music production, make sure you listen in for the latter part of this interview when Kyle shares some of his tips and tricks to production. All right, enough of me talking, guys. It's time for you to hear his story for yourselves. Let's get into it right now. This is episode 131 with Kyle Kinch. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time today, man. I'm such a massive fan. This is like, uh, this is really special for me, for real. Well, good shit, man. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, man. You've been fucking fire lately, too, bro. Like, all things considered, with like, 
this wall like we've never been up against. You have been killing it on the releases, man. Congrats on everything. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, I really wanted to uh, push it heavy on the releases. I had the music and I'm I'm creating every day, so there's no reason why I shouldn't, you know, give some give the people something to listen to, you know. Yeah, for sure. Of course, man. I'm I'm excited to get your full story and everything. I got a. I'm not sure if you checked out anything, but um, I've got some awesome questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm a fan, so we're gonna go a little deep. Uh, That's how we be, man. Hell yeah, man. I'm a house producer myself too, and I have a lot of people who watch the show that are, uh, you know, beginner, intermediate, and expert. And I always love talking to uh, the people I interview about the production process and stuff too. So we can get pretty granular on plug-in style, DAWs, all that sort of stuff, man. So most definitely. Yeah, man. I'm excited though. Uh, these conversations always end up just being so much fun. It's like the opposite of 60 minutes, okay? So I'm going for like just a good <laughs> time with a friend, right? Let's pretend yeah. that we're at the club, except there's no music on. You know what I mean? Uh, that's cool with me. <laughs> you know that game. That's where the good conversations happen, right? With yeah. yeah, definitely. How have you been doing, though? Everything good? Everything's been good, man. You know, um, I do actually have a day job, so I've been lucky to have that through through this time. So, you know, I still have money flowing through. Obviously, not as much as before because, you know, no gigs and all like that. But, yeah. I mean, I've been – I'm better off than most people, and that's I'm just thankful for that, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah, I hope I hope we can really get back to what we're doing, but obviously in a safe environment for everyone, you know, because this, this stuff isn't a joke. So No, it's know. not a joke, man. Appreciate you saying that. And, dude, I, I've had a day job, too. I, I usually, uh, I'm usually in Chicago. I'm actually at home in Indiana right now. This is not, this is not yeah. here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I have a day job in Chicago, too. I moved there about six years ago, and I've always had one, and I've never been more grateful. Because you have those moments, I'm sure, especially you, man. You've probably been like, dude, fuck this day job. Like, I'm, oh. I'm getting big, right? <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's rough. Because, you know, especially when you're in a position where you're, you're so close to being able to be at the point where, you know, I could just only do music. And, like, it's just, like, it's really hard because, like, you're, like, you want to stay focused, but you got to understand that also at the same time, like, you need this to be able to facilitate, you know, your process to getting to that place. So yeah. it is <laughs> it is it is a mental struggle. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm, I've got I've got a great job. I got abilities. So, like, you know, I, I sh- I'm very grateful for what I have. So. that's good man I, I'm, I'm happy for you because it's that's that's a lot more than a lot of people can say like high and low in the business right there are a lot of djs who are successful that mm-hmm. i mean i don't know like their financial situation but you can only assume without touring like money's definitely tighter right yeah of course man a lot of people i mean most of people rely on touring you know yeah. that's a big thing you know so it's it's definitely a struggle for everyone. You yeah, know? you're not making uh yeah, what is it like point zero 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 one on Spotify streams? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody we know personally is getting rich off that shit, man. It's like there's a there was a there's an old like hip hop producer that did like a whole like video like talk about like how to like maximize that. And yeah. he basically he basically said that the like the only way that you're gonna be able to make crazy money with with Spotify is like you've got to own a hundred percent of your stuff. Yeah. And then it's got to do big numbers. You know what I mean? 
So yeah. like it's 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 a very it's a very hard game. But at the same time, everybody uses Spotify, so people find you so quickly, you know, and stuff like that. Like I, the amount of people that amount my my fan base has grown just from Spotify is really amazing. You know, it, it started to overtake my other platforms where I was stronger on. Like yeah. Spotify is now where my main my main fan base is. So, exactly. you know, I can't, I can't be bad at it. <laughs> no, man. Actually, it's funny. My dad was just asking me because the podcast is on Spotify and everything like that. And even two mm. years ago, um, they were they were doing things a lot differently, man. It was only like first they were like no spot, no podcasts. And then mm. they were like, OK, we'll do like BuzzFeed, NPR and major stuff like that. And it was no like let's just call it freelance for me. Right. Yeah. And it was so hard for me to get on. I had to apply. I had to like show them who I was. Like it was like applying for a job. And I'm like, dude, I just got a podcast, man. <laughs> I'm like, what is the big deal here? I just want to give my people options. <laughs> I know. And like these days, you have to give them every option. So this will be on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes podcast, Spotify podcasts. Got to give it to them all, right? Yeah, you got to give it to them any way you can, man. Because you just you wanted to reach the max amount of people. I know. It's crazy, though. I, I have some questions for you because uh, something I always love for people who have been hustling, at least in, in the past five to ten years, is what happened to SoundCloud? How in the beginning, like, I always bring it up, man. Like, people like those mashup DJs like Cap Slap and Blau, and Blau obviously has eventually gone on to grow his own brand. Those guys are going on worldwide tours off a mashup on SoundCloud. Yeah, man. It was really crazy time. It was a really crazy time because you could just – you could find any artist and then like next thing you know, like you give it like a month and they're blown up and it yeah. was, a, and, and, and anybody could have posted, you know, anybody could have put up stuff, anybody could be found. So it was a really, it was like a loophole to the industry for a second, you know, what? which is really crazy, you know, but I, I feel like the issue with SoundCloud is that it kind of maybe failed to evolve a little bit you know it, it but I, I it's still a great platform i can tell you most um most of the djs that will end up buying my music mm -hmm. i believe at least 75 percent of them come from soundcloud when i post a track on soundcloud i got the link right there yeah. and they're like oh man this jams and they're like well i'm gonna need this for friday or saturday right. whenever i'm playing <laughs> and it right. goes straight through that so i know usually whenever i push on SoundCloud hard that, you know, it, it actually translates uh, to sales down the road. So it's still very useful. Yeah. Um, and I love it for, for DJ sets and stuff, you know, like I love listening to, you know, uh, a good Gorgon City set or, you know, the Lane 8 mixtapes. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of those, <laughs> you know. I put those on while I'm working, man, and it, and it lets my mind wander. And then, like, while I'm at work working and I'm listening to this music, I also find myself getting inspired musically, you know, for what I want, for when I want to go home and get in the studio. So, like, like those things are crucial, you know. And SoundCloud makes it easy. It's real easy. So yeah, no, I, I dude, I'm, I mean, SoundCloud has always been my thing, and it's true these days. It's funny because. There was a time like in, in 2012 through 2015 when people were starting to become DJs. And now these days, man, there's 15 year old producers in the game who are making hits like they've been in it for 15 years. There's no barrier to entry for them, right? Yeah, man. Now, SoundCloud, in my opinion, is not so, I guess, non like if I'm if I'm just a music consumer, mm -hmm. I use Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube. If yeah. I'm a DJ or producer, 
I use SoundCloud to find new music. Very true. Right, and Very that's and, and that's what they need to be smart about. And they've gotten a little better better about it with Twitch, the partner affiliation, mm-hmm. uh, some of the random stuff they've done for better or for worse. But I, I agree with you. I still find it to be very useful, and there's definitely a huge amount of people that still use it. But it's oh, crazy. Yeah. when you look at somebody like Zed's Dead, who was like really in the beginning of the SoundCloud boom, they've got like five million followers on SoundCloud, dude. And there's you and I. Still- Hustling out here for like you know the four digit mark, right? <laughs> if you look, if you look at uh, if you go to SoundCloud and you haven't logged in yet, the yeah. only reason I know is because I, I I go through sometimes when I'm at work, like I don't actually account. If you go right. on the main page, Zed's dead still on the front. <laughs> yeah, it's just them. It's them on the front, and it's like it, it just shows how major like they they took over that platform. And uh, I even I still you know I still actually like Zed's Dead a lot even though bass music's not really my thing. Yeah. They the way they did it was so kind of smooth and like even when I was um, I want to say upcoming it's more the middle area of my production area. But, <laughs> um, I did a I did a Zed's Dead remix of one of their tracks I believe it was Rave. Yeah. And it, I just, I flipped it on its head man it was a it was a headbanger track and I made it a super deep house like almost you know feelsy floaty track so I you know like today, I'm, man. I went through your discography today brother i got some i'm, <laughs> I'm deep in the kyle king's history in 2016 2015 so you better get ready okay Do really all right cool yeah i'm about that <laughs> so i think this is gonna be episode 131 so i think i've done uh well over 100 interviews so my favorite thing is to just ask questions you had never been asked before and talk about music, bring it back so we can talk about your journey, man. I'm pumped. Awesome. That's great, man. I'm, I'm all about it. For sure, man. Well, we'll get started then. I'm sure you uh, got things to do. But like I said, we'll just talk talk your story, beginning, middle, and end. We'll get into your productions. Um, and I'm definitely curious to hear about your style and, of course, your, your, your thought on the current state of the industry and you know any conversation that flows from there. Man, there's no time limit. That's why I like to do it on Skype so we're not like you know, feeling like we got to do something, right? It's awesome. To talk. I feel you. I feel you 100%. Well, yeah, man. So for me, I, I actually started doing music when I was real young. I was playing the piano uh, around like age five. And then, you know, when I once I got a little bit older, I picked up the saxophone and I was doing that for, uh, for a long time. And so music was always in me, but I kind of lost my passion mm-hmm. for doing like playing the saxophone and doing instrumentation, you know, it's just what happens when you get like, you get a little bit older, you get in your teenage years. Yeah, and, like, you I was, <laughs> and like, I was always doing everything, you know, I was, I played almost every sport and all like that. So yeah. like trying to balance that plus school plus music, you know, wow. I, it was just so much going on. So, um, but then when I got into college, well, you know, even though like I wasn't playing instruments, like music was still very in the forefront forefront for me, you know, had my headphones on all the time, yeah, listening same. to new stuff, yeah. finding new artists, listening to new genres, everything. And then when I got into college um, is when I really started getting in the uh, I started getting in the house. I had a few friends that like really put me on. And, you know, I my favorite thing is thinking about back then when like you first get into the, the house scene, yeah. because 
It's like it's like a kid in a candy store, bro. Dude. You walk in and exactly. it's just so deep. There's so many things and there's so <laughs> there's so new things to listen to that you've never heard before. Yeah. And like I, I just felt so excited all the time when I hear stuff. You know? And that was during the that was during the boom too. That was like, you know, um like uh Avicii and all of them, like right right as they started getting up, you know. Uh, Swedish House was just starting to take over, but at the same time, while I was listening to those people, I was also listening to Green Velvet and Mark Knight, and like you know all those old all, all those guys, and like so like I was taking in the house scene in 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 many different levels. I was taking on the EDM level and right. on the house level. So like I I really really loved it, and then I started to realize that I've been listening to house music for the longest. Like when I was a kid. Yeah. I'll be listening to like you know Robin Ness and you know yeah. all those you know all those old school like you know <laughs> what Night the Roxbury like right. any 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 tracks from that. It had fundamental house elements though, right? You're you're totally right, dude. It was house, man. Look, bro, yeah. I, I'm gonna be real. I have the Night of the Roxbury CD yeah. somewhere in this house. <laughs> and somewhere, I promise you, and it's fire from the start man. to finish. So like when you realize that you've had a connection to something for so long mm-hmm. and then you got rekindled, you're like, wow, you know? Right. So then that kind of just obviously progressed to me starting to DJ. And as everybody starts out, man, you know, I, I first started out in just in my bedroom for the longest and I wouldn't come out for like six months. I wouldn't play for anybody. Nothing. I wanted to make sure like I was good at this shit before I started playing for people. Right, right, right. And then uh, I got the chance to play for a friend's house party, and I end up like, I, I, what year was this? This had to be like 2011, and like, I, yeah, it had to be like 2011. And like, they were like, "Bro, you're kind of good." And then like, right off of that, I got a bar gig, and so I started playing bar gigs. And then you had to learn the, uh, yep. you had to learn the whole the DJ the hard way type oh, thing. Format life, we all gotta go through. We gotta earn our stripes. I, I got a crash course real heavy because I'm out here trying to play like EDM <laughs> stuff and they're and the promoters are coming in like bro Just you, can, up. you gotta <laughs> play hip hop what are you doing like oh and it was it was rough yeah but like you know when you learn the ropes you also start to learn how to read a crowd and by yeah. that I've been playing a mix mostly open format for about two years mm-hmm. even though I wanted to play house and then I got the ability the playhouse when I started playing at this one place and I was the opener and I couldn't play hip hop because yep. those guys are going to be playing it after me. So right. I couldn't play their tracks. Right. So I'm like, all right. And so I had two hours and I just play, I play just straight house for yes. the first, for the first hour. And like, that's where I really got to find my own sound. That was in Florida then? Yeah, that's right. All this, all this was in Tampa, man. My DJ career fully started in Tampa. It's, I know there's a lot of things that go on in Florida, but like, how is Tampa for electronic music? Like, since you've been involved. Yeah, man. So Tampa, it's it, it's very much gone into waves because like it's 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 got a little bit of everything, but it's definitely the the heavier stuff is more prevalent. The like the bass music and stuff like that. Right, and right, the, right. And the biggest club. The biggest club that's here, that's usually that was what they were really pushing for a while. But there was still a house, a heavy house scene because of you know 
that there was that just that group that really wanted to do it and that built up too right and so but like now you know as as things progress like you know it's it, a night flight is getting a lot harder so like venues are closing down right and so but that main place that was like booming all the bass music is still open and they decided that they want to start doing house right. so they brought me in and Everybody. so i do said yeah so i do i have my saturday night residency there and i'll be playing i'll be playing house on the regular but tampa in general is just like it's a very like high energy place like people are wanting to go out and party hard yeah bro and, I that's, heard. <laughs> and that's why the bass music is, the music is definitely so prevalent but at the same time like the the house crew here is a very close-knit type of people right and like they really do when when those events go on like it's really something special so like even though it's not at the forefront it's still at the very core it's still at the core of what tampa is right so, right yeah. so you were the house guy sounds like one of your only friends that was djing right when did when did you decide I need to start producing or how did you get influenced with like kind of nobody? Cause in Chicago, man, you know, Chicago, bro, like everybody, you can find a DJ or producer pretty quickly, but yeah, it sounds to me like at least from the local scene creatively, it was maybe just you and some friends. What was it like then? So the, there was a lot of us, but I was kind of still on my own just doing, um, just playing events and stuff. Right. And then, I met, or I had one of my homies that played the same slot that I did at that same place I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. That was like I was playing the opening slot. Right. And he was big in the house, and we, him, and all his friends, we all got together and we started this kind of DJ collective. And like those core guys helped. We all helped each other in the areas where we were lacking. This mm-hmm. was also the same time where I came in my own revelation that. I'm not trying to play that bar shit no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to, right. I'm trying to play straight house and I'm right. like, I'm going to start producing. So right. I already just like, I already started like working on stuff for a bit. And like, obviously, because since I had that musical background, I still had a very fundamental idea of how to do it. Right. But um, those guys really showed me, it was called Smokehouse. Those guys really showed me, you know, how to produce. And then at the same time, were the you know catalyst for me to keep going you know they were the ones where i'd be like yo man i started something it's probably trash and i show it to them be like yo this is actually kind of fire i'm like word i'm gonna keep working on it (laughs) so like having those people and and that also together we also started bringing a lot more house artists and events and putting on our own events you and know. that kind of just really helped push all of our careers in the f- to the future. And like, it, a lot of those guys is, are doing big things now. You know, I mean, some of them, some of them are great producers. Some of them are, uh, you know, do are doing sound engineering for like big pop artists and stuff like that. So yeah. we're we all benefited heavy from that. You know, hey, and you want something done, you gotta do it yourself, right? Yeah, you're right, man. You're right, and it 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 definitely they helped every everything that I had done. And some of them still help. You know, one of them is my manager still. The other guy is the is my mastering guy, my mixing mastering guy. So like, you know, we're all still very close to, close together. So right. that's how that's how we got we kind of got it started, and that's where my stuff started to pick up. And then it, it I started just being able to feel confident in my own productions without having to like 
go and check with somebody be like, hey, this is okay. <laughs> I can start getting my building my own ear where I'm like, all right, I think this is dope. It's, it's good. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> so, so 2011, because from, from my research here, 2015, you released your first track. So 2011 and 2015, you were producing, you were DJing, you were kind of like figuring out what you want to do. What was the yeah. time there until you released your first track then? So I, I, so I would say I got with Smokehouse around 2014. Okay. Going into 2015. Mm -hmm. And that's after that is when we decided, hey, we want to release our own like group, like, like EP with everything that we were doing. Right. And that's, and that's how we released. Uh, my first track was Shoot. It was yep. on SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah it, was on, <laughs> it was on SoundCloud. And yep. it was, I, I, it, it was, you know, obviously I used the sample from, uh, uh, was it, was it not Salt and Pepper? Maybe it's Salt and Pepper? I don't know. I can't even remember who, who it was from, but yeah, yeah I, I, we, we released that. And that was like the first time I actually put out something that I was working on. And right. the reception was really, really good. And I'm like, okay. Maybe uh -huh. I can keep doing this. <laughs> so then I made my next track, Cheeseburgers, and I think that came. I don't know. Maybe that came out it like I think about six or seven months after. It was a while. It was a big That's gap in between. Man. I hadn't heard it. I put it on the thing. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I go back in here sometimes, and I'm like, it's definitely not how I sound now. No, but it ain't not. bad. It yeah. ain't bad. <laughs> I've had people. I've had people ask me like, "Yo, like you need to, you need to like do like a cheeseburgers 2.0." <laughs> you should, man. VIP cheeseburgers. I, I, you know what? I'm, I might, man. We'll, we'll see what's up, man. If I, if I ever find a little, a little time where I'm like just lacking on projects, maybe I'll just boot it up and see what happens. You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, and so I, so you shooting cheeseburgers, and. Yep. The Andromeda EP with Force and Andromeda, and that was a much different sound than those first two, though. Yes. So the that that's the 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 hard thing about when you're producing early. Yeah. Because I have a lot of things that I'm interested in. Right. And when I was producing that, I wanted to make that sound. I was very happy about it. But I didn't know if it was the right thing for me to release at that point. Because, like, I haven't really solidified myself as an artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, and I put out two tracks that are pretty techie. I'm, now I'm just going to put out this Deep House EP. But, like, people fucking, people loved it. Yeah, man. They did well. And it's another track. And those are tracks that I go back and listen to still. Hell yeah. I, I still go back and listen to those tracks heavy. And so, yeah, that was on Jet Alone. And I was really lucky those guys would like let me because that was the first time I got the release on something that wasn't Smokehouse. That right. was kind of like a legit label. Right. And so that was like the 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 first stepping stone of me going to like, all right, we're getting a little bit bigger now, you know, we're taking right. a step up, you know. And uh yeah, man, I really do I really do love those tracks, especially Andromeda. It's just very uh Dude. very groovy. <laughs> it, it was really cool because, like, you know, I've been a fan of you, uh, really seriously following you for probably the past two years. And then go back to then, you know, I, of course, I said I've interviewed a lot of people. And it's always so interesting just from having a producer's ear and hearing people's stories like you. There's always a little something, Kyle, even in the tracks that don't sound like you do now. And to mm -hmm. me, I heard this driving kick. Even in, the, even in the deep house, I was like, there's something in Kyle Kinch about this kick. 
And then <laughs> I seen your stuff in 2017. All you need is rhythm EP. I'm like, here he goes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's starting to figure it out, right? Where were you at, like inspirationally? Like, I guess in terms of like your skills then, when 2016 you start releasing music, you started taking it more seriously, obviously. So those, I would say, I really do think those are more of my breakout kind of yeah. kind of works. Um, with those, I just felt at that point, I felt very confident in what I could do. Wow. Tracks, tracks were coming together quicker in the studio for me. Yep. Everything started to sound like it was moving, and it, and I and it went from stuff that you know that like, hey, like I need to play this because it's my track right. in the club to stuff where I'm like, I'd actually play this in the club, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like producers don't realize that because like you know obviously people don't realize when you start as a producer, you you already have a good ear for music usually because. It's something you want to do now. You start as a DJ start, like yourself too. You, you yeah. know what's good. You know what's good. But when you start producing, your stuff's going to sound trash. It's just how <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But once you can get over that hump and you can start to like feel very confident in what you're making, you're like, this is dope. Like, that's the greatest feeling. Right. And so that EP is where I'm like, all those tracks are ones that I would play. And I yep. was playing out consistently and, you know, and I was sending it places and people were digging it. I think I sold, I, I sent, um, what, what was it? Rainbow Road. It was the middle track in that, in that, in that EP. Mm-hmm. I sent it to option four cause he out in Denver because like he was doing like an artist search and he loved it. And it, he ranked it as one of the top 10 tracks he was sent for that. Hell yeah. And, and it's it's crazy now because me, now me and him are really good friends. He's brought me out to play, yeah. but like before, even before that, he didn't realize that I was a part of that 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 little DJ thing he did because it was so far back. Wow! So like, getting to come back and remind him, like, yo, man, you actually were giving me props at my beginning. <laughs> it was a, it was a crazy. Thing. He was like, he was just mind blown. He couldn't believe it. So yeah, man, those that that's definitely where I started to um get in the right mode too and that's also the same time where i started using uh my main guy for mix and master and ken and we started to develop a really good relationship so that you know once my track is done like he really knows how to clean it up so perfectly for me you know so like it sounds it sounds like like you know me you know what i mean yeah so it's everything is just like with all that working together like that was just able to push push my stuff forward yeah you were really running at your sound at that point i mean i know you're just from hearing your story of course in the beginning with with groove and soul and disco right like we were getting Mm -hmm. disco deep tech man and that's when the zed's dead remix came out too rave that year yeah it was right around then i think i I released it for sunset music festival because it was that weekend right um it was memorial day weekend and zed's dead was playing so i'm like this is the perfect time this is perfect time to release this man Tampa's hype about it. Zed, yeah. Zed's mine. Like, let's throw it out there. You know, that's awesome. Man. And and they, that was a big year for you, like streaming wise. I mean, you were you were racking in like those that little bit of acknowledgement is is huge just on like a platform like that. So I, I can yeah. tell, like, just hearing you now, like, it gave you kind of that like boost of confidence, right? Yeah, like, it, it helped a lot. Seeing seeing that a lot of people were feeling it, you know, because like like I said, you got to get over those certain humps. You had to get over the hump where you personally 
need to feel like your track's dope. But right. then when you get over the hump where everybody else thinks your shit's dope, that's when you really hit overdrive. You yes. Know? Yes. And, and that's and that's where you really can start like, all right, now I can start really experimenting with what I could do. You know? Yeah, of course. And I mean, you go fast forward in 2018. You really start making waves in 2018, Kyle. I know you know this, but the booth comes out. I mean, here's it's funny you said that because I could tell you really clean up your mix downs. Like it was clean, man. Like your FX, like everything about it, your risers, downlifters, like there's just like I, I don't I of course I can look at your project files, but I could tell like you were kind of going for a less is more approach, but everything really, really has a story, like no matter big or small. And I started hearing that when I listened to your blue EP, EP blue pill EP. What was the story behind that where you were at at that point production wise? Uh, so I had um, I had a homie who who's here in Tampa. He had a label called Furious Funk, mm. and he had asked me if I wanted to to release with him. And I was like, Yeah, of course, man. Like that'd be some great stuff. At that point is where I really started to get into the the more. I was able to produce the more driving stuff. Definitely. Like, and and I, I really started to really understand what, what kind of made a complete track mm-hmm. at that point, you know? And, like, I always am a big fan. I was always a big fan of Less Is More. Mm-hmm. But, like... All right, I, I got it right. I was right then. I've, I've, I've always been a big fan of that. Yeah. But it the your, your understanding of that, mm-hmm. you know, it it evolves later in because you start to realize like less is more not at night might not necessarily mean just like, okay, less instruments trim the fat. Sometimes yeah. it's like, maybe this sound doesn't need to be all that right here. at This part yeah. of the track, you yeah. know, like awesome. it's sometimes you got to take and take and, you know, move the track around a little bit more so that it just sounds a lot cleaner. And I, that was the point where I really started to get that stuff going um especially with the track itself blue pill that that's because I, I really wanted some like big sounds in that but i wanted to come out clearly yeah, yeah. so and oh i think the lead track of that was oh nah and uh, i think my favorite i actually like to still like go back and play that one still every now and then you know yeah. <laughs> so that was some really good stuff man of course i mean you followed it up though with such a significant release man Gorgon City's realm, right? This was the first non-Gorgon City release on their label, right? And yeah, dude, Manchester EP, Manchester and do it to me. I mean, come on, let me give you a fucking round of applause. <laughs> I remember seeing that because I'm I'm a huge Gorgon City fan, and and when they brought that out, it was clear to me that they were doing this labeled kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, unleash this club side of them, this underground side of them, and of yeah. course they found success through their radio hits. But then I see them release um, all of their own tracks. And then I see you come out, and I'm like, well, this guy's got to be something good, bro. <laughs> and that's when it all kicked off for you, man. Like, you came out there, and you're getting worldwide support from some of the biggest in the game. What was it like for you at that point to, to have that official recognition? It was it was really unreal. You just, Seriously, dude. Yeah. The guy- Samba, like, come on, let's go. <laughs> you didn't ever really expect for something that big to happen. Mm-hmm. And so quickly, too. Like, you yeah. know, obviously I've been working hard to that point, you know, and every step I've made was very gradual. But then to have that happen 
Like, you, of course, you everything you're doing, you're like, yeah, I worked to get to this point. Right. But at the same time, it's a certain amount of luck that had to go into that, too, you know what I mean? Of course. Of course. <laughs> There was a certain amount of luck that got to come into that man, and it, it it was it was really amazing. And Matt and Kai really, really did take me in. They when I sent them my when I sent them my music, I didn't just send them Manchester and do it to me. I sent them like nine tracks, Yo. and they said they loved every single one. Wow. They just really wanted to push Manchester and do it to me because that was the sound they were going for for the label, right? You know? And uh, those tracks, man, like they're huge, and I, I it, it's crazy to watch how many people got to play it. Like you know, Camel Fat played it, Fisher played it, you know, uh, Get a, Get a played it. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's crazy. That that was like what? <laughs> man, that was such good timing though for you because. 2018, even though you and I both know house music has always been going like this, right? There's no ebbs and flows, really. And now it's it's at a point where house is doing the best it's ever done, even without shows. And I think 2018, in my eyes, is really when house became a lot more mainstream in terms of people were listening to it. People were listening to Fisher. People were listening to underground music yeah. that wasn't just like house heads. You know what I mean? Like, to a yeah. certain extent, like, losing it really put house music and Chris Lake, too, and, and you know, that whole brand and, and Mala and Chami taking that underground and bridging the gap. And I think you it, you can say luck, man, but I think timing is everything. And I think the, the cards fell for you, bro. And you deserve it, man. Those are great, great, great tracks. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. So I, I, you, dude, from a DJ's perspective, bro, come on, like, that's <laughs> banging to mix in, man. Yeah, man, it's, oh, man, it was just, like, it was really so crazy, and then, like, I knew I had, like, like, something big on my hands, one, when I first made it, right. after I was done, I was like, this is so, <laughs> this is crazy, yeah. I'm like, this, but it still took a while for me to find the right place for it to get on, right. and it, it took maybe about six months before Gorgon even picked it up, but during that whole time, I was playing it out. And right. everywhere where I was playing it out, crowds would go nuts. Yes. And so I'm like, man, I'm like, I know it hasn't got side yet, but it just it's the proof is is right there, you know? The proof's right there. So right. I mean yeah. that gave you a huge platform, right? Like taking you to twenty nineteen and twenty twenty where we're at now. I'm just gonna run through this real quick, okay? I know you know yeah. the deal. I need the people to know what you've done, bro. So Bossy and this shit right here on Subsoul's imprint circles does yeah. super well. Shout out to Greco, Rossum, Freak Nasty, dope track. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, that track is so sick. That track is low key too. Like, um, I love it, man. And and of course, Codes, he's huge, man. Dancing me on Holy Moly, uh, a new label for him in the past year, which has done awesome so far. Yeah. I see him back there. Diplomacy on Sonic Federa, Solotoko. I mean. Sonny, bro, that he's huge. Yeah. Um, of course, a remix for Vanilla Ace and Venki on Low Step is Sima Black. That that was huge. I'm a big Sima Black fan, so to be able to get a part of that was 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 great. Low Step is such an icon, man. Uh, a few more realm releases, of course. Series stop playing. My personal favorite from yours. Actually, uh, I dropped it. You may not remember. I've had Greco on the show. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and I played on the uh, the Odyssey Music Festival, and I played yeah. Series Stop playing. 
and I shared it, and you reposted. I was like, "Fuck yes, dude!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greco's the homie, man. Greco's the homie. He's been he's been a part of my career since the beginning of like my productions, you know, because he's he used to he used to live right next to Tampa. He used to live in Sarasota, right? And, yeah, and he would play in Tampa on the regular. So, you know, whenever he come back, we'd always chop it up. And even now, man, we're we're very we're very close friends. So it's he's it's great that like that one that he's he's getting the recognition he is, especially with his label. His label's so dope. Dude. And I'm glad that he's helping so many artists as much as he's helped me. You know, he's a very he's a very giving person. And I'm yeah. I'm glad that he's been able to do that, you know. He's fucking ripped right now, too. You see how much he's been working out? <laughs> I saw a post today. I'm like, bro, you thirst trapping, bro? <laughs> bro? That was like absolute unit. Like, he fucking, <laughs> if we fought in a UFC match, you and I couldn't even take him, dude. He would destroy us. <laughs> he's such a unit, too. Like, he, I, the first time I met him was actually a movement in Detroit. And I had been following him, and I knew who he was, and I saw a Rossum logo on his hat. I go up to him, I go, hey, I know you Greco, and uh, love your music. And he was just, like, such a nice guy. We connected, and I had stayed in touch with him. And that doesn't happen all the time in this industry, man. It so, does it, man. It does yeah. it, man. He's, oh, he's just a man. And he's done so well on Beatport, too. Like, And it's difficult, too. Like, it's interesting you said SoundCloud is, like, kind of the DJ pool, right? But... SoundCloud is just the the link to go to Beatport. And I think it's a big difference to be a streamable artist and also on top of that to be an artist where people buy your music, right? We grew up in an age where LimeWire and all the <laughs> softwares, man, right? Like people wouldn't buy music. And it's already so hard in the record label industry to make money as a streaming artist. Like you just said, you mentioned the guy, This even the OGs know that yeah. you can't make money off record labels. Like, you make it off everything else. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, props to you, man, because you do really well selling on Beatport. And I think that goes to show a lot about your ability to do this on the long term, because DJs mm -hmm. want to play your music, man. Yeah, which is super hype. That gets me excited when people want to play my stuff, man. Right? As much as, much as I am as a, a DJ and a producer, man, I'm a connoisseur, bro. I love... Yeah. Here, I love hearing new tracks. I love just dancing in the crowd. And like that that moment when you're dancing in the crowd and I know I start hearing my drums and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so Kyle, you're a fan first then it sounds like, right? I am 100% a fan first, bro. Anywhere where you see me, I am in the crowd jamming, dancing, even before my sets. Like I don't go up, I don't go up before my set until maybe like, 10 minutes before, five, 10 minutes before. Besides right. that, I'm in the crowd the whole time and I'm enjoying myself. I know? love it. And that probably makes a big difference between you and other maybe even DJs. And it's funny you said you started kind of as an open format DJ, migrated in the house. And there is this invaluable aspect to doing the grunt work in that regard, right? To being a live oh, yeah. DJ. Because it's, if you're huge, right? And you play your own music and that's great. People are there to play or listen to your music. That doesn't happen overnight. You play a lot of shitty gigs to great to get great gigs. Oh, 100%, man. 100%, 100%. And one of my favorite things to do is, like, when I'm out, you know, just on a random night and one of my homies is playing, I see a lot of people when they're, like, they want to, like, be the person that knows the DJ. So they'll yeah. be, like, behind, they'll be behind the, uh, the DJ <laughs> booth and everything. 
I'm yeah. like, no, man, I'm trying to be in front of it because I know how it feels when you're out there and like you're playing and maybe you're playing a warm up set or, you know, maybe the, the crowd hasn't start exactly got you feeling you yet. Exactly. When you got that one person that's in the crowd that's on your side yeah. and vibing, like it's just a, it's a natural thing. So that's why I always try to be, you know, the person that's just sharing the vibes out on the in the crowd and on the dance floor, man, because I know how it can be, bro. <laughs> Dude, it can be tough, man. Playing in an empty room is tough. But that's yeah. the thing about reading a room is you can't make everybody happy. But if you find the people who are enjoying themselves and you take time to like see what is working and what isn't working, that's why like I do like a longer extended set because you can't get everybody, but if you get that person over there and that person over there and that person over there, they're going to be like to their friends, well, why the fuck aren't you dancing, right? And then they do it for you. Oh, yes. My favorite thing, my favorite thing is zoning in on the person that dances the weirdest. Yeah, eye contact. No, and, no, and with zoning in on a person that dances the weirdest, because if their dance is super weird yeah. and they <laughs> know they dance super weird, but they don't care because <laughs> the music's that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I know I'm like, I am jamming right now because that person has totally forgot everything that they know about in their life. Yes. They're just having a good time. So <laughs> perfect. That is literally perfect. Okay, I'm yeah. stealing that one whenever I can DJ again. I like that. Yeah. Find the weirdest dancer. But uh, so as of recently, I mean, you've been releasing a ton of music and, and a dope new single. But let's talk about this official remix of Duke Dumont's Let Me Go. I mean, talk about a gold medal, bro. Like, I want to clap again for you. Like, that's so massive. Congratulations. Yeah. It's a great remix, too. You've been releasing a, a lot of remixes lately for a guy who traditionally releases a lot of original music. Yeah, I, it's funny. I have friends joke about it. Like, why don't you do a remix of this? About it? And I'm like, man, I don't really do remixes. <laughs> it's just, it's usually all the it's usually all the trouble you got to go through to get an official remix. But if it comes if it comes to me, I'm always open. And, and that's exactly what happened. Duke reached out to me and said, "Hey, man, I want you to remix the Fear." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> let me do it." Yes. I will smash this shit for you, yes. And uh, as soon as I got the go-ahead, man, I, I sat right down and I got to work. And I had I had a working a working track, not completed completed, but within the first I'd say about four or five days to a week, yeah, the track was nearly nearly almost there. And it was because it just came together so quickly wow. because I just knew what I needed to do. Like you could yeah. just feel it. Right. You know, and I was just I was so happy about it because Duke, I was especially happy to do it for Duke because Duke was really supporting series stop playing like really hard. So like, you know, him to just reach out to me and be like, hey, man, do your thing on it. I'm like, yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. Of course, Duke Dumont is is one of the the biggest house artists today and, and so successful in so many ways. And He's, you know, like him and Gorgon City, of course, are similar and, and different, too, in a lot of different aspects. So I just thought it was so cool to see someone like you who has really worked so hard get that stamp of approval where Duke Dumont is literally like, Kyle, do your fucking thing, man. Like, whatever it is, I believe in it. And, and you know, as a producer, like, remixes sometimes can be like, oh, boom, I hear the lyrics and I know exactly what to do. And other times... You think, like, at least for me, when I'm thinking about remixes, sometimes I think too much about other tracks because 
making a remix your own versus an edit versus an original track, like you can't just like slap lyrics over a track that's unreleased in the same key. It's just not how it works. Yeah, no, definitely. It's right. You gotta you gotta make it something that that meshes and molds with everything that's going on on different levels. You know, too. You gotta have something that that makes it vibe wise. You gotta have something that kind of you know is emotional with the lyrics. You know, music to me is 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 as spiritual as it is physical, and like you can tell when a track wasn't meant to be a, a remix. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you you I, can tell when a track wasn't meant to be. Doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just like just seems like, hey man, I feel like this would be better if it was on its own. You know? Yeah. But like that, I I knew. <laughs> it's it's funny. When I make when I was working on the track, I just started going ahead and like straight up working on my drums and everything. And I end up creating like a big like a good like eight bar loop of what I knew what was going crazy. Right. You know, using only a few Duke samples at that point, but I hadn't put the vocal on it yet. Uh-huh. And after I got that and I was like, damn, is the vocal even gonna fit? I haven't even noticed. I haven't even got to that part. <laughs> and then I threw it on top and it was perfect. Oh. And I was like, I knew I knew what I was doing. I <laughs> knew I had it. it. It was all in here the whole time, bro. It's, your body just, it's muscle memory. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you had me with the lyrics on. That's great, man. Mentally, yeah. he knew, you knew, but you found out. Yeah. <laughs> My heart knew. It was like, this is going to be dope. But my brain was like, bro, you ain't throwing the vocal on yet, bro. How you know it's going to work? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's such a funny story. Yeah. Well, out of all these releases, do you have anyone that means the most to you, regardless of streams or success? Oh, it's... I would have to say Siri Stop Playing. Yeah. Because just how I made it... I, to be, you want me to be truthfully honest? I made that track after I got done DJing one night. Uh-huh. I couldn't go to sleep. I just had a bass on stuck in my head, <laughs> and I just woke up maybe like four in the morning. Uh-huh. Just kept working on it, and maybe worked on it for about two hours. Slept a little more, mm-hmm. woke back up, and started working on it again. And within like that ten hour time span, I had a, I almost had a completed track. What? was done half asleep (laughs) (laughs) it was almost done and it was like i said it was very much like how the duke one came together it just it all just it all came out so naturally in Mm -hmm. that track and i just love the way it sounds it's it's very like emotional and driving and so it's just i'm I'm very happy about that track because it's one of those ones where you're like wow that one really is who I am. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then also bossy, because just people love bossy, man. Everywhere I go, man, people just love, just like everybody just gets into bossy, yo. They all start singing it. Yeah. I see the girls and they're like bossy with the drink in the ears, and it's it's and bossy's definitely become a movement, and so I would definitely have to choose that one too. Yeah. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was gonna be like I. I, I, I was like, man, this is a little too hard and grimy for people. Maybe it ain't going to be it. And and people loved it, man. 
Right. Jesus. Kyle, at this moment now, looking back, was there times where you did doubt yourself or times where you really did believe in yourself? Did they happen close together? Like, you're at this incredibly successful point now with still such a bright future ahead. Do you ever look back and think, I almost stopped? Nah, man. I, I, I There was never a point where I was ever like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a stop or give up because that was never the, that was never the angle. The be successful was never the end goal for me. Love it. It never was. That my whole thing was just I just want to make music I love. I, that's all I want to do. So right. whether I ha- whether I had to be working a day job and doing this on the weekends for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine as long as I'm still making some dope music. Yeah. And so. You know, though I, I will say it gets hard time sometimes because, like, you know, you got to deal with the the normal shit you deal with. You got to deal with rejection. You got to deal with all these things. So that sucks. But never have I ever been like, man, I should just hang it up or you know, this ain't gonna be working. You know, never. It's just I just it. My whole thing was I'm gonna be doing this till the day that I die because I fucking love it. And simple fact that I've had some success and it looks like this may be able what I'd be able to do. The rest <laughs> of it. Well, that's just the plus. That's the icing on the cake. Sure. <laughs> I love that, Kyle. And I think that's great to say because my biggest thing from what I've learned about myself and music and, and people I talk to and friends is you got to do it for the love of it. Because the second you don't do it for the love of it, the second you chase a trend, you chase a fad, you chase something, is the second that it all comes falling down. Because... If you, it, it literally, like, in the beginning, like, dude, when I started doing this podcast, man, like, not a lot of people listened. You know what I mean? My dad, big supporter. My mom, big <laughs> yeah. supporter. My yeah. says she's a big supporter. <laughs> <laughs> right? But if it was only me and you and my mom and my dad to listen, I'd have just as much fun because mm-hmm. what I realized was the best part about it for me is connecting with people who are passionate about music. Yeah. And I'll do this the rest of my life, man. Literally, I'll do an interview on my deathbed, bro. Like, my... <laughs> Bring the camera. <laughs> One more time. Is that where you're from? <laughs> but I feel you on that. And, and I knew you were going to say that because I could just tell, like, you love music, man. And, and there are so many people in our industry who they love music, great, they've had success, but... Where's where's their plateau and will they keep going? Because there is this point, right, where you're here and then people are like, well, I've been here for so long, it's not going to happen. You don't even give a shit. You're like, bro, I'm having a great time, man. Like, I'm DJing on the weekends, doing my thing, I'm making music. Well, bro, it, it, it's it's easy because I take – one of the things that I really do is, like, I, I really take pride in the little things, man. And, like, something as easy as just hearing my favorite track – you know, on a bad day, just changes everything for me, bro. Like I get, I still get goosebumps off of the same tracks all the time. You play <laughs> Daft Punk Voyager, I'm gonna get goosebumps, bro. Even yeah. new songs, you play the the new Mad Dog Joe song off my mind, I'm yeah. gonna get goosebumps, bro. If you play <laughs> Gorgon City Imagination, I'm yeah. gonna get goosebumps, bro, and it's just gonna change my day. So like, just the simple Love. fact that having that, you know, just just when you hear something good, you're like. Man, how could I not do this shit for the rest of my life, bro? You know? Of course, man. I love it. Um, I want to ask you real quick before I start asking you about the success you've had live show-wise, your production process. It obviously hasn't happened overnight. Like you said, you've explained here in a few different ways. Mm -hmm. And you have this drive, this innate love to get better. 
Have any aspects changed maybe for the better or worse since your first release to where you're at now in terms of like creativity? I mean, obviously it kind of happens like randomly, it sounds like to me for you. What's your yeah, man, it's, it's, on music? I'm a very uh, vibe oriented person. Mm-hmm. So anytime like I feel like I'm forcing something, yeah, I usually kind of like, I'll force it to a bit, but if it gets to the point, like, you know, just to make sure that I'm using my time correctly, yeah. but, like, if there's a point where it's just, I'm literally just, just throwing stuff together and it's just not working and I'm getting frustrated, like, yeah. stop. It's not, a, it's nothing productive is happening at that point. You're just going to do, you know, make something you hate, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my, pro- the way my process is, you know, I do use a lot of melodic stuff. Cause you know, obviously, within my ability to be able to, 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 you know, still, you know, understand music theory because of you know the instruments I played. Right. I'll I'll mess around with you know making new very you know new very like weird bass lines with a bunch of different tones or you know just messing around with new you know piano melodies and stuff and that will help spark things for me you know sometimes i'll be stuck on a track and i'm like all right well i need to i need to put a lead on this track and i make a lead and i'm like this doesn't work with this at all <laughs> like but it kind of sounds dope and right. i'll just all right copy paste it in the new project uh-huh. and then that's my starting point and then i'll make a whole new song before i even finish the other one you know <laughs> so that's that's how it happens sometimes and i can tell you right now like there are probably 15 deadbeat projects in my in my FL right now. It's probably ones that just like they just like aren't there. But at the same time, they got a little bit to it, but like they just they just died out. But that doesn't mean that you know I won't go back and visit those tracks mm-hmm. at all. I mean, there was one track. It's not out yet, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's not out yet, but there was a track that I started. Right after I made shoot, mm-hmm. and I left it, and then I I came back to it after I signed Manchester. What? So that's a that's like a that yeah that's a, that's like a three two three year gap in there, Shit. and I made it this really used all these same things that I had in there, but I just just worked with it differently, and I made something really dope. And wow. I'm really hoping I'm hoping I get to release it real soon at, at some point. But like it's like I said, man, like sometimes you'll come back to stuff, you know, sometimes I'll go back and look at my backlog. I'm like, man, this was a really dope idea. Why did I stop this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as you need a new pr- perspective on things. You know, you can't look at something the same way over and over and, you know, to, yep. to find something new about it. Sometimes you just got to stop that day and come back later, maybe whatever it's a month later or just a day later or three years later. <laughs> and, you know, you come back, you're like, wow, I could really do something with this. Right. It becomes, it becomes a really nice track. So, you know, it's like I said, it is definitely vibe wise, you know, for me. That's how the best ones come out, you know. Yeah. Manchester came out that way. Serious Stop Playing came out that way. Bossy came out that way. A lot of my biggest tracks are the ones that came out supernaturally, you know? So, like... That's good advice. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's good advice. And I think so many people struggle with that, right? Especially if you are trying to be a full-time producer, full-time DJ, mm-hmm. when like it becomes a job sort of, right? Like, yeah. Especially in America, man, right? Like <clears throat> in our generation, we're raised to work hard and, and make money and then live this step-by-step life, right? And then all of a sudden people like us, our producers and DJs, and we're like, yeah, you don't have to do that. <laughs> changing the narrative man exactly man so you said you use fl studio yes yes i do always been um yeah because you know you want to know it's real funny when i was in high school and i was playing saxophone one of my homies or one of my other homies in band we were also um we also played football together and stuff because we all everybody in my school did everything you had to do everything like that was mandatory <laughs> yeah. so like um somebody had uh somebody downloaded the demo version of fl yeah and then so we all went back and started downloading and messing around <laughs> and like we all made some pretty good so we made some pretty cool stuff man but you couldn't save it because you know because it was the demo so <laughs> <laughs> so that was like my first like uh workings with like a doll like that mm-hmm. um and then in college i took a couple classes that let me use um logic yeah and so i use logic a bit but while i was working in logic i was going home and working on fl mm. and like i started to realize man all these things all they all work the same they do there's just little intricate little intricacies you know your yep. preferences but they all work the same you know yep. most of my friends work on ableton pretty same. much works the same you know it's all so, toolbox, right yeah, so I just feel FL. I just feel my workflow moving a lot quicker in that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the way I manipulate samples in there to mm-hmm. me is a little bit easier because you can just you can just drag and stretch them really easily. Right. Uh, so you know, get the for you know the time stretch them and everything. Yeah. So like, yeah. It, it just I just work faster in FL. So that's why I've been using it. You know, and uh, yeah, and when it comes to like plugins, like I love Serum. I use CRM for bass lines and leads, but like a lot of the basic FL plugins are really good. <laughs> like a lot of yeah. a lot of a lot of my early stuff was the basic FL ones, and, and you'll still hear a couple of my songs now that have some of the basic FL ones. I think uh, what track that came up? Um, I had a track in the beginning of the year that came out, Free Your Mind. Yep. The two tracks on those, the bass line is is the is an FL original plugin. Oh shit. Yeah. And like they they some of them work really well, man. So like it, it's one of those things is like use all the tools you have at your at your expose, uh, disposal, man. You know, you don't have to always get all the new and nice stuff all the time. Like sometimes yeah. what you need is right there in your hands. Yeah, I watched uh, Disclosure do a Twitch stream, and I'm in Logic, and they use Logic too. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, got my notebook out, and I'm expecting them to like tell me all these plugins and 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 VSTs and all this shit. And they're using like AU Audio, bro. Like it's like literally the built-in Logic. I'm like, F for you, bro. This is like what made them famous. They were laughing. I love British people humor when they make fun of themselves. Dude, and he was like, he's like, well, I really thought that I was gonna, you know, impress people and yeah, make myself feel like an idiot. And I'm like, <laughs> I can do it. Like, what the fuck? He literally is using like alchemy, which is like a basic, basic like install 
on Logic. And I'm thinking to myself, here I am over here getting serum, getting Valhalla's, doing this, doing that. And it is so true. It goes back to the less is more motto like you love. Yeah. Bro, if it sounds good, it is good. <laughs> it's that simple. Yes. If it sounds good, it is good, bro. Don't get too don't get too caught up in whether it's like, oh man, this is a basic whatever or anything. But if you can put it in your track and it sounds really, really good and mm -hmm. you know how to work with it well, yeah, man, use it. Ain't nobody's gonna what who's really gonna what person is really out there at the club saying, Oh, this is a basic FL plugin. This is trash. <laughs> nobody, bro. Nobody. Dude, only like, man, yeah. this baseline sounds dope. <laughs> only DJs and producers look at that shit like that, right? There's 98% of people in the crowd are fans. And they're like, yeah, didn't notice that bad transition. Didn't notice that stock plug-in, right? Like, nobody fucking knows, dude. Why do, we, knows, why do we think bro. so hard about this, right? Nobody knows, man. So don't even stress it, bro. If it, if it sounds good, it is good. And that's all you got to work with, man. That's the Kyle Kent production advice, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so with all these all these successful productions, obviously, it's led you to some incredible gigs. Um, I want you to tell me about Brooklyn Mirage and the Tobacco Dock in London, man. Those are like, shit, dude. Come on. Once again, the guy from Tampa. Like, let's go. <laughs> Brooklyn Mirage was was really special to me because I was born in Brooklyn. So oh, really? yeah, I was born I was born in Brooklyn and my family uh used to live there. They they were still living there when I played there that night. They oh. just a lot of them just moved, but like my that's like that's like basically my my hometown. So oh, I was so excited to be able to go back and play there cuz like it was almost like man like Look, I left and look what I've done. And I was able to come back here and do it here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Love that. And the Mirage is, a, it's, it's probably one of the best clubs, venues in the U.S. It's just amazing. Oh, man, walk in there, just oh, lights and vibes everywhere. It just looks so good. Dude, and it's like, so New York, like, it's so unique. It's, yeah. It's. Ah. It's so unique. And then being able to play, you know, I've opened for, at that point in my life, I had opened for a lot of big DJs already. So that wasn't really anything that was, like, really blown me away. But the fact that I was, like, I was there with them. I wasn't opening for them. You know what yeah. I mean? I was with like, this, yeah, like, I'm here featured. Here and, like that was super hype and you know i have i had a lot of homies that are in new york so they all came out and yeah. that was just hype bro like i i'm i remember when i started my set uh-huh because i played a little early right. i remember when i started my set there was a few people so i started off a little deep and groovy right. man next thing i know this place is packed and i'm just <laughs> and i'm running it bro <laughs> let's go <laughs> <laughs> I'm running it, man. And and there's a lot of people there, too, that, like, they're my friends, but they never got to see me DJ yet. Sure, of course. And, like, to be able to see me do that on that stage, they were just amazed. That's surreal. And and then just right afterwards to have, you know, Teed come up and, and be like, yo, man, that was dope. Like, it was great. And pass it off to him. To watch Lee Foss sit up there and do his thing. And then to watch the homies Gorgon City, who had put all this together have so many people come out 
just to watch them on the very first Realm show and yeah. me to be able to be a part of it. It was just, it was so amazing, you know. And then I got to meet the other guys on the label too, like local dialect. They were there because they're in New York. They're based out of New York. Right. You know, it was just like it was. Everything about that night was amazing. You felt. I mean, sounds like to me like you had gone like you had had success for through releases, but that was kind of the first in person tangible like something's happened in my career, and I've almost I mean made it in my eyes, bro. Like if you play there. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really it was really easy to see it was easy to see the fruits of my labor yeah you know what i mean because you know people mess with your stuff but like you don't really know till you play it there right. and then and then tobacco doc was that tenfold Fuck. so being able to go i've never been to europe ever <laughs> i haven't been anywhere so being able to fly out there. I got family there, so that was great. I got to go see my family. Mm-hmm. And um, that day, man, I just showed up, and, like, everybody's welcoming me there. I'm getting to see other DJs that I'm, that I'm friends with, like Kadeco and them. I got to meet Max Chapman, and Max Chapman's like, I heard of you, mate. You got good stuff. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> you heard of me, bro? What? <laughs> I'm expected here to be the nobody here. Right, yeah. like, they fuck with my shit. So I'm like, damn, this is dope. And then it was, I was opening the Realm stage, and it was about the same. I don't know if you've ever been to, if you've ever been to space, but, like, it kind of had space vibes because it had, like, different levels of the place, but it was a giant warehouse. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I started off, and, like, it was kind of like, you know, the the barrage show where I started off with a few people, but ten minutes in the place is packed out. Right. And like people, I see people who are singing my tracks. They they this this out here, you know, singing the lyrics. I got like this group of middle aged women that are asking me to come down from the decks to come hang out with them in the front. And I'm like, yo, I still gotta play. <laughs> I've got I've got forty minutes left. Like. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking awesome, Kyle. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, my cousins, my, my cousins were there and they didn't they haven't they didn't know well they knew I was D, I was a DJ, but they didn't get to experience any of that because they've been in the UK the whole time. Right. So like seeing them get super hype and like it was just so crazy. And then everybody who was on that lineup were people that I've been like, you know, friends with. So like Norm Pure was there, Chris Lake. I got I got the open for Chris Lake uh, here in Tampa, so to have him there. Um, that was the first time I met Pax, but I got to hang it, I hand it off to him, and yeah. they were just, we, bro, we're homies right then, bro, right at, right <laughs> then, bro. They were just, it, they were just loving it, man. It was a good old vibe. So, oh, and then so like this was like 4 p.m., 4:30. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's what I was saying. They were going that hard that early. And so after I got on stage, like, man, these people are just having a great time. And people are pulling me in like, man, yo, that was amazing. We've been waiting to see you play and shit like that. And I'm like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to see people who literally thousands of miles away. Yeah. Continents away. Worship you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. 
So like that was that was just a great day. And, and after I played, I was just hanging out, <laughs> having a good time, man. Meeting people, having a good old time, bro. So it was yeah. it was really awesome, man. And I love I love London. It was such a great place. It was such a great place, man. Yeah. That's what's going on there right now with the nightlife scene and the government just like it's so sad, man, because oh, dude. being just me being there once, just one night, I got to see how crucial and necessary nightlife was to those people. Yeah. And and now just to see the government turn their back on them like that, man, it's just it's absolutely terrible and it's sad. But you know quietly turn their back. Like they don't tell them I, that. I just I just feel like it's I feel like it's the same thing with our government, man. They're just out of touch. They don't understand. They've never gone to those people that are making the rules have never gone to a rave. They've never been the person working the door or being a bartender or a DJ or setting up the venue or owning the venue. They don't understand all the jobs that they create and all the people that they're supporting. And then at the end of the day, just the release that they're giving people, the release from day-to-day woes yep. that they're giving people on a single. And so they, when when a person doesn't understand that, they just look at it and they're, they can just be like, well, you don't need that. That's just you having fun. That's right. not necessary, you know? Yep. And I think yep. that's truly unfair because this is people's livelihoods. People have spent their whole lives, you know, to try and build something that's been crazy succe- successful and so special and it's yeah. just it's sad man you know it is sad man i know it's 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 been it's been tough year for the music industry as a whole especially the electronic music industry what it, what is your opinion on i guess how have you been going about your thing obviously it's been a big year of releases for you creatively yeah. it changed your way in the studio knowing that you're a guy who djs play your music you're a guy who loves performing live are you thinking about things differently, knowing that when you release a track, it may not be able to be played live for we don't even know how long? I mean, it, it hasn't really changed the way I go about things. I still kind of make the track the way I kind of used to. The uh-huh. one thing I will say, though, the inspiration is a little different because you're not playing every weekend. So when you're playing every weekend, when you go back into the studio, you're making something like, yo, this is going to sound dope in the club. Exactly. You're not making necessarily club music anymore. Right. right. You know? So, but at this, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. I think that opens up the world to be able to be more truthful to what your sound is. Because you're not just trying to make some, hey, I'm going to need to make this sound dope here. No, <laughs> you make something like, I need to make something yeah. that makes me feel something right here, right now, in this chair, in this house. Right. You know, I want to make something that speaks to what I'm feeling right now. And I really think, and I've talked to other artists about it too, and they all kind of feel the same consensus that that there's a, a new level of inspiration that has come out of it. So I think there has been benefits for people, not really benefits, not the benefits that we're looking for, not money-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, there's, but there's definitely been a few benefits in terms of musicality to what's what's going on, you know? And there's a lot of people who've capitalized on that, you know? There's a lot of people who put out a lot of great releases. Some of my favorite tracks, period, have come out during this time. That's you know? 
So like I, I I really am I'm proud of everybody who's still releasing and all the ones who are who are making like you know different routes for people to do stuff the people who are making the virtual festivals the people who are despite what's going on right now are doing their best yeah. to to just give us a, a nice light at the end of the tunnel for us you yeah. know well, well, it's okay. what, what, would, what advice would you be to people that are maybe trying to get into the music industry now? If you were looking at, let's even call it 2013 Kyle Kinch, what would you tell yourself with knowing <laughs> now what you're facing? Keep making music, keep doing your thing, or what's the mindset? Um, you kind of got to be a... You kind of got to be a homebody and a socialite at the same time. <laughs> yeah. and, and it, it's crazy to sound like that, but like... You have to, the second, you know, you get home, you burn it in the studio. But then when it's, you know, there's a show going on, you got to be out and you got to make those connections because yeah. nobody's going to want to book a person who's not out seeing what's happening or yeah. can't bring people out or anything. And I tell new DJs this all the time. I'm like, they're like, how do I get to play here? I'm like, you want me to tell you how you get the player? You show up every time they have an event and you bring yeah. people. <laughs> that's how you get the play that's how you get the place to live so sure. like luckily i knew that back then so i <laughs> i was able to get that going but like you know it's, a lot of people don't understand that aspect so yeah man you gotta you gotta be as social as possible but then you also gotta give yourself enough time in the studio to be able to learn you gotta do both because if you just sit you just sit at home and you make all these dope tracks yeah, that's dope, but who are you going to be playing them to? <laughs> not only do you go to shows, not only do you need to produce, not only do you need to be a social media manager, not only do you need to be a brand ambassador, not only to be a graphic designer, not only do you need to be a videographer, not only do you need to pop. You got to literally do everything. You got to do everything, man. And it, it's it's wild, bro. Like, even my even my skills, even, like, my like video-making skills have, like, boosted. Because <laughs> I got to make, like, pro I make my own promo videos sometimes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's 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 crazy the skills you have to learn but the two core skills that you definitely have to be able to do is definitely just be able to put yourself out there in a social aspect you know if you're out there at the club and you're you, you can't be the one that's just like there to party you got to be you know there you know figuring out you know introducing yourself to everyone letting them know who you are you know, so that your name is at least in their head. Yep. You know, they yep. might not need to know who you are, but they need to hear your name at least once mm -hmm. and then twice and then three times. Mm -hmm. And then the next time they come out, they're like, yo, who's that kid that keeps bringing people? Oh, that's Kyle Kinch. Mm, maybe we should put him on. Huh? You, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that simple, man. You, you get gotta, it. You got to hustle, you know. I love it, man. What, what's what's coming up for you the rest of this year? And you got anything you can announce? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's October, I guess, right? <laughs> I just had a wild card release this past Friday. Uh, Wine on Red Cups is currently right now. Um, the person who did the remix, Venky, who's awesome. Mm -hmm. He uh, he His remix is right now on the best new hype playlist for Beatport. So that's oh, great. That today, man. Congrats. Yeah. That's, that's real good stuff. Beatport uh, loves you, dude. They love you, Kyle. They do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it gets me hype, man. And then uh, I have a release coming up next month. I'm not going to tell you who it's with, but I do. And um, I've already started to gear up for releases for next year, man. So 
you can expect more of the same, but fire music. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. I heard, you know, I'm, you said Mark Knight way earlier, so I hope a tour room release is coming soon, bro. I, I, bro, I've been trying to get on tour room <laughs> I started producing to the point to the point where I, the, it's it's almost like I've almost got beef with Tool Room at this point. I was like, "Yo, release my music!" <laughs> I'm so determined to get on Tool Room at some point. Just wait, that, it's that, gonna happen. You'll know when it happens because it's gonna be it's gonna I'm gonna be wilding. But yes, I am a big Tool Room fan. Hundred percent want to get on Tool Room. Defected, I definitely want to get on Defected too. Like, those those are my those are my goal labels right there. You're all right there, man. This has been mm-hmm. such a fun conversation, Kyle. Thank you so much for taking the time, bro. Again, yeah, like, man. you like all the hard work you put in here in your story right now, like it only solidifies you as as one of the biggest guys up and coming in the game. And again, I am a huge fan. And anytime, like anytime this gets back to normal, when you come to Chicago or I can come see you, bro. Like I I book shows in Chicago. Like you're like on one of the top of my list. So yes. Oh, you got. I would love to come to Chicago, bro. Let's do it. Big fan base in Chicago, bro. Like I promise you that. I promise yes. you that. Yes, man. Well, let's do it. I'm ready, bro. Dude, ready. I, I gotta hang out with you in person, bro. I love your energy, yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Let's fucking hang, bro. <laughs> okay. <Come on. laughs> all right, all right, bro. I'm not touring. Don't fucking put beef with me. <laughs> Dude, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, no problem, bro. It was nice talking with you. Keep doing your thing, man. I'll keep dropping your tracks, all right? All right, most definitely, man. Peace.